Hi, it's John Bernadovich, your host of the H Like a Boss podcast. Welcome to season three. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope of finding what it takes to do HR like a boss. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and share with a friend. On today's show, I'm so excited to be joined by Lisa Collings. Lisa is a client of mine, and we've done some great work together over the last couple of years. And in a recent conversation that Lisa and I had, she shared some of her incredible insights in the healthcare space and being a strategic HR partner. I thought, oh gosh, what a great guest this would be on the HR Like a Boss podcast. So Lisa, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. Excited to be here. So for those that don't know you, please share a little bit about your background, your passion for HR, and what you're working on these days. Sure. Um, my background is I have a PhD in organizational psychology. Um, got that from California School for Professional Psychology. I actually met my husband there. He also has his PhD in the same field. So we're one of those couples that uh, work together. We do similar things. We had a professor in school one time accuse us of being a social psych experiment since we were, we were uh, living together, going to school together, working together, and writing our dissertations at the same time. Um, but I've spent the last 30 years in various parts of the field. I've been internal. I've had a consulting business for eight years uh, externally, came back in, um, and I've run pretty much every part of HR um, that you can. And for the last year and a half, I've been heading up HR as the SVP of People and Culture at Satellite Healthcare. So cool. Great story. I love that. And uh, congratulations on your accomplishments and that advanced a degree. I know that's an incredible commitment. So thank you for doing that to, to you and your husband. So is it true? Like, do you, you have these discussions over dinner or the pillow talk thing? Is that a real thing that sometimes this comes up or do you, you keep those boundaries between what you're each doing? Um, it's a pretty real thing. Our, our daughters uh, kind of made us shut it down when they were still living at home. <laughs> They're grown and out of the house now, so we can have conversations whenever we want. But um Interestingly, our older daughter has chosen to uh, pursue psychology as her major in her degree, which shocked us. We thought she would go do anything but that. Our younger daughter has no interest in what we call the family business, so she's going in a different direction. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, certainly think there's a lot that can be learned. Sometimes I know my kids, I know they're listening sometimes when we talk entrepreneurial stuff or my wife and I are talking about something else. But if it gets too serious, they tell us to shut up and move on. Let's talk about something more entertaining. So I can imagine that maybe those words were not uttered in the, in the Collings household, but certainly something that kids don't want to talk about OD or HR business partnership or whatever the case might be. Yeah, the funny thing is, uh, Kennedy, our oldest, is going into psychology, but wants nothing to do with the business side of psychology. So that's that's her way of carving her own path, even though she'll be in the related field. But obviously, some of what we talked about in front of her uh, soaked in. So yeah, you got it. Even I tell myself all the time, even though the kids that I'm around, my my children, their friends, that does sometimes it doesn't seem like they're paying attention or listening. I'm noticing that they are paying attention and listening. Just have a subtle way of showing it. Absolutely. Well, that said. So this is all about HR. The reason why I have the podcast, I wrote a book called HR Like a Boss that hopefully will be published in early 2023. So all that's coming together nicely. But I did, I did want to first start off like I do with all of my podcast guests and ask you the first question about purpose and your definition of that from a human resource perspective. 
Yeah, it's a great question. It, it made me stop and think about how I personally view the purpose of HR. I think I have a little different take on it just based on my background. Um, but I think the purpose of HR is to support the business, support our employees and leaders, and help motivate everyone to achieve the goals that they're trying to achieve. So, you know, within that, obviously, there are things that HR needs to uh, enforce policies, you know, obviously, we can't allow people to do anything unethical or illegal. <laughs> um, but really, my focus is how do I um, provide counsel to our CEO, our president and COO, and all of our operations leaders, um, all the critical leaders, so that we can ultimately provide the best patient care to our patients and fulfill our mission, um, which is making lives better for people living with kidney disease. And how has your transition been into healthcare? Were in your consultant work you were doing before or prior experience, did you have healthcare experience and, and what, what's that been like? I grew up in a household. My dad was a CEO for a hospital for 25 years. So I think some of that, that healthcare talk uh, found its way into my brain. I, I chose a different path professionally, I think probably because my dad encouraged me to not get into healthcare, but I'm curious like how that transition has been and specifically providing the support that you do at Satellite. Well, I worked in healthcare for the first time in the mid nineties. I was recruited to at the time, it was Harris Methodist Health System in Arlington, Texas, Fort Worth area. And while I was there, we went through a merger and became Texas Health Resources, which is a large healthcare system now uh, in that area. And it was also a nonprofit. Um, we had hospitals and a health plan, which back then was, was very daring that we had both. <laughs> People thought we were crazy to, to combine that. Now that's not such a big deal. But um, and I loved it. I, uh, I love the culture. I love the people that it attracts, the caregivers. You know, um, sometimes you have to help them understand the business side of things and that it's profit is not a dirty word. Even if you're a nonprofit, you still have to make money. <laughs> it just all goes back into the business. Um, but I really enjoyed my time there. I was there for about three years. I was very sad to leave, but we moved uh, for my husband's transfer to Colorado. So, and then after that, I worked in uh, telecom and tech and you name it, every industry but healthcare. So when I had the opportunity to come back in at Satellite and learn dialysis, which is very niche within healthcare, but be in that nonprofit mission-based setting again, it just felt like coming home. It was, it was a wonderful experience to step back into that culture. I bet. Yeah. So cool. And it's, it's so critical in my, my opinion. One of the primary things I got out of the experience of doing the show, the podcast and writing the book is how important purpose is to a business and getting everyone aligned into that purpose and hiring like-minded people that are spirited in that mission. And if you can do that, you can really get into some amazing accomplishments. When you don't have that, it really can be the opposite. In my opinion, people can be miserable at work. They don't find alignment to what they're doing. They don't understand how their job connects to the business. And it was really, a, I would say that's the number one thing I pulled out of writing the book. Therefore, why that's my first question on the podcast every single time. Now, a common question and something we've talked quite a bit about on this season of the, of the HR Like a Boss podcast is this idea of the, the big quit, the great resignation, the great attrition, fill in whatever words, you know, commonplace that uh, this whole thing of the labor shortage being a major issue, people quitting their job after COVID, reevaluating what's important to them. How are you working in your HR leadership role at Satellite to combat that concept and strategies you have around it that our listeners might find of interest? 
it's retention has always been a big focus for us, even pre-COVID. And then of course it just got magnified during the pandemic. Um, and I think in healthcare we have other forces on top of that. So, you know, we don't just have we're we're getting poached by our competitors and other healthcare companies, and they don't care anymore what type of nurse somebody is, they're willing to train. So it's not just dialysis that's uh, coming after our folks. But as you mentioned, we also have the nursing shortage, which is based on the statistics is just going to get worse before it gets better. Um, and it takes us about 12 weeks to train uh, an inexperienced dialysis nurse. So there's, there's a long runway even once we fill the roles. And then, of course, we have the vaccine mandate in California, which caused some people to not want to work with us. So it, it's just one headwind after another, if you will. Um, we've done a lot of things, though. Of course, we've addressed the pay issue. That's usually the first thing that, that comes up. And we've done a lot of retention bonuses. We've done uh, what we call internal equity wage adjustments um, for folks that uh, we're constantly, my total rewards team is constantly looking at market data and reviewing our employees' pay to see if we need to increase uh, we've also increased our geo codes, our salary ranges, so that we can be competitive when we're trying to hire people. And we've increased those in the areas where the cost of labor has just really gone through the roof in the last couple of years. Um, so we've done a lot on the pay side, but we really like to focus on our, we're unique in our industry that we are nonprofit, although we compete with the for-profit publicly traded dialysis companies. In our culture, the experience we give our employees and the experience we want our patients to have is very different. So one of the things we found, we get a lot of what we call boomerangs. So lots of people come back. They may leave and they may think that $2 more an hour is, is really what they wanted. Um, and then they realize the grass isn't greener. They don't like the culture. They don't like the approach to patient care. And they will reach out to us and want to come back um, and work at Satellite. So, so that we have that in our favor and we're seeing even more of that happening this year. We were just reviewing our numbers and we've had close to a hundred uh, boomerangs come back to us this year. That's so cool. That culture, they leave for one reason, whether it be pay or location or something else, but they come back because the culture that you've built within your organization, it's a tangible asset, one that you can really certainly uh, leverage and see, or, or you know, some may call it intangible, but if, if it's delivering that type of results and bringing you know, over 100 people back inside of your organization, that's really cool. Well, hey, Lisa, this is a unique time for me because I get to do my plug of our sponsor, which I know you know well and how we became uh, connected through Willery's support of your organization, but I just want to say a quick thanks to Willery for its continued support to the formation and uh, prov providing the resources necessary to put on this podcast, which I know is really well received by the HR community because we have such great guests like you sharing your insight. For those that don't know it, uh, Willery is a purpose-driven company, and our purpose is to empower people, and we're focused on supporting mid-sized companies with their search and temporary staffing needs, along with our client-side HR technology support. So if you're struggling to find talent in your HR payroll departments, or you're not getting that return on your HR tech investment, please visit willery.com to learn more. Or maybe Lisa can uh, tell you a little bit about uh, all the support we provide, not on the show, but for another time. All right, Lisa, back to the show. Most importantly, let's get into something I know sometime is, a, I don't want to call it a dirty word, but one thing that I know HR maybe doesn't always run to is this idea of 
financial reporting, uh, budgets, profit, et cetera. Uh, how, how do you deem the importance of financial acumen for a strategic HR leader? I think it's critical. And I learned this years ago when I worked with Dana and Jim Robinson, who literally wrote the book on performance consulting, which morphed into how to be a strategic business partner as an HR professional. I used them when I was internal at Texas Health Resources. And then when I was external, I had the opportunity to work side by side with them to teach other HR, global HR functions, how to do this. And that's the first thing that we would talk about is you have to speak the business leader's language, which is about financials, about business goals and targets. You don't have to know it inside and out, but you need to listen and learn and, and understand it enough and put yourself in their shoes. What are, what are they trying to accomplish? What's, what are their biggest challenges? And then how can we help them from the people side of the business? So there's a whole model that goes behind this. There's a way of asking questions to understand the business better. One of the things I found at Satellite is I um, was pretty assertive in trying to get into some of those meetings when I first started, because I started as the director of talent management. So they thought, well, why do you need to know anything about operations or the business? But I just naturally understand that I need to know the business of the business and then I can help better. And as my role grew and I took on employee relations and then moved into this role a year and a half ago, it became even more important. And during the pandemic, I was the lead on our incident command center for COVID as it related to our staff. Um, we had, like everybody else, we had lots of staff out sick during that time. And if I don't understand how the operation works, then I, my advice is gonna fall flat. So, so I'm, I'm big on that. Um, it's always amazing to me that we, we have to educate our business leaders as to why it's important for HR to be included in those discussions, be included on the PNL reports. We have something at Satellite called Flash, which gives us kind of a heads up leading indicators for the month on how we're doing, I had to really push and push and push to get on that distribution list. Um, but I've had people say to me in, uh, throughout my career, but at Satellite, wow, you you approach things differently than what we're used to, or or you really understand what's going on here. And it's it's really just a matter of listening and then starting to use their terminology and really understanding at a high level how 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 do we make money? I think that's the main question. If you understand how your business makes money at a high level, then that's going to go a long way. Yeah, no, that's stellar. That idea of counsel and consultation and getting to know the business. As a result of that, my guess is you were able to develop some relationships with a few people along the way, and you created uh, those, those uh, I'll call it wins, uh, because in, in HR, oftentimes in the kind of old school way, you're in the room because someone's going to get fired or something bad's about to happen as opposed to we want Lisa to be in this meeting because she's a strategic partner. We've got a problem or an opportunity and I want to get her thoughts or perspective. It's a game changer if you're brought into meetings in that respect. So congratulations on that approach. I'm a huge advocate of that. I wrote a section in the book specifically about how do you get to know the business, the people and the way by which it makes its money and how marketing operates inside of an organization and how IT operates and the list goes on departmentally and then ultimately how, how the business does what it does. So that's really cool. Congratulations. Keep it up. Thank you. Now, one of the things that I know this kind of new phrase for an old thing is quiet quitting and the impact on employee engagement. I know you mentioned culture and these kind of 
Boomerang uh, employees that are coming back into the organization. Tell me a little bit about your your organization, how it's been impacted by this uh, old term quiet quitting or old idea, new term for quiet quitting and how it's affecting engagement. I think I was thinking about this. To me, this is an old concept, right? Quiet quitting is sort of the employees that are disengaged. I mean, they're just giving the bare minimum and, and not really going above and beyond. Um, I honestly haven't seen a lot of that, primarily because our staff, the bulk of our staff are in our centers, they're nurses, they're patient care techs, social workers, dietitians, and they're giving 100% every day. They work very long shifts, um, 12 hour days, sometimes five to six days a week. So I think for us, the bigger challenge isn't so much quiet quitting, but just burnout and physical exhaustion. Um, I'm sure we have some of the disengagement and quiet quitting in our, what we call our home office roles, our corporate roles. But really, I found during the pandemic, we all just came together. We all rallied around our patients. It really was life and death for a lot of our patients. And so it, while it was scary and it was stressful and it was exhausting, it, it kind of reignited, I think, that focus on our purpose and mission and legacy and why we're doing what we do. Um, so we've, we've spent more time trying to figure out how to help with the burnout factor. We, uh, instituted something in the spring called give me a break. And we tried to help our, our staff, particularly our center managers literally take time off. Um, and our leaders made sure they had coverage because our folks are so dedicated. They will just keep going until they physically, and sadly we've had this happen, physically collapse, um, sometimes at work. So, so we really pushed that hard. Um, and that was really a, a program that came from our um, president and COO and our head of dialysis services and then HR helped support it. But to say, you deserve time off, you have to take time off because you can't function if you're at the point of exhaustion. Yeah, that's noble. People need that. And wow, that's a really cool story. I know they're dedicated to delivering service to your patients. As you mentioned, it is literally life and death. Sometimes people might feel that way, but in your in your organization, it is. And uh, keep keep that up. Give give those employees as much of a, a a break as they need. Sometimes it could be five minutes. Sometimes it might be five days. And you just have to realize that I think a, a, a change that we're making, things that we've seen, this kind of idea of uh, taking a a really kind of universal approach to how you manage people, but at the same time, each individual has their own specific needs, requirements, et cetera. It's kind of like my example is when you went to McDonald's 20 years ago, and maybe even still today, I don't go there that often, same burger, same disgusting mustard and onion that's on there. People might like the pickle and ketchup. Now, when you go to these places, they ask you exactly how do you want your burger made, right? Mm -hmm. With exactly each topping. And I think if we have these universal kind of everybody fits into this one policy, I think there's some there's some real individual oversight and people stay at a job because they feel there's meaning there. They have advancement opportunity. They like who they work with. And I think if you treat them that way, they certainly will appreciate it. Fantastic. Keep it up. All right. Well, I'll get you out of here on this. The last question I ask all of my podcast guests is how would you describe someone that does HR like a boss? I think it's a lot of what we've been talking about. It's it's understanding the business, understanding how to be that support to the leaders and the employees. I mean, many times we are the advocates for, for our employees, um, but helping our managers and leaders navigate through uh, everything that they do, but sometimes very difficult conversations. Um, understanding the business, knowing how to contribute, add value, so that when you are at the table, you're not just sitting there 
quietly, but you're, you're adding to the conversation and the strategy um, and the future plan. And then I would say doing all of that with heart and compassion. I've um, always had that. I, I was taught that early on by a former boss and mentor of mine when I worked at Texas Health Resources. And he would always say to me, you know, we're impacting people's lives. And that was the first time I'd heard that. And I took that with me. Um, the other thing I, I've used a lot, because you mentioned, you know, a lot of times HR is in the room for the, the not so fun part of laying people off or maybe terminating someone, but we do everything with respect and dignity. And so I think if you treat people that way, I've actually had people thank me after um, having to deliver very difficult news to them because they appreciate how it was done and um, that we, we took them as a human being into consideration. They're not just an employee. They're not just a number. Uh, I was talking to my boss about this recently that I think it's a generational thing, but more and more employees want us to be more involved in their individual situation, maybe personal things that are going on for them. Um, and all the things that, you know, maybe we were taught 30 years ago that no, there's a barrier there and you don't cross that line, but more and more they want that. And particularly I find in healthcare, that's, that's, um, you have to be able to be there for them. We have something called a compassion fund. And if our employees need help financially, we've had employees whose homes have burned down, um, employees who've lost family members, we're able to help them that way as well. So, so I think it all, it kind of all wraps together that HR like a boss means you understand the business, you're that strategic partner, but you're also that advocate and, um, and you're doing it with heart and compassion. Stellar. That's awesome. And it is not for the faint of heart. Not everyone can do that. Can, it can't deliver uh, that type of support. Certainly understand that it's a, it's a dynamic and vibrant role to do HR and do HR like a boss well. But uh, Lisa, you certainly are uh, doing that every single day. And I can certainly appreciate, I know I'm getting a lot of comments on your, your podcast and uh, all the wisdom that you shared. A couple of things stood out to me that you mentioned the importance of supporting the business, the employees, the leaders to help them achieve their goals. You use this word providing counsel to critical leaders and ensuring that they're getting what they need in order to deliver the support that the business needs. You mentioned this idea of around the great resignation that culture can bring back employees that may be left for a few extra dollars or a different situation and, and they come back because the culture that you have is a is an asset. It's something that's that's really good and meaningful and maybe isn't always apparent at every single organization. We discussed this financial acumen and the importance of it for being a strategic business leader and being able to talk the language, speak, speak the speak of those business leaders. And you made one comment that I think really stuck out with me was being intentional around uh, ensuring that your employees are not burning out in your physically demanding position that a lot of your employees are working on, the importance of being really smart and intentional on supporting them around burnout, and the importance of understanding the business and how to do what you're doing in HR with heart and compassion. Stellar job, Lisa Collings. Thanks you so much for being on the show. Thanks, John. Thank you for listening to the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please leave a rating or review, or better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.